Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. I want to celebrate God's faithfulness this morning. I am going to talk about kingdom finances. Who knows that God is always faithful to provide for what he's called us to do. I love the building that you're in. I love being here and seeing the provision of God because we prayed with you guys to see God provide for what, he, what, he's, what he's called you to. And to see you guys walk into this is amazing. Um, the opportunities for growth and kingdom advancement that this facility brings is awesome. But who knows that it's not about a facility. This place is a tool for the task of seeing the kingdom advance. To be able to host things like Alpha. To be able to, to, be able to bring people in and share the love of Jesus with them. The time is coming, even though you guys have just uh, d- done an amazing thing with this, that you're going to need more space. You're going to need more services. You're going to need more buildings. And God is faithful to provide. There's no way you could be where you are as a local church without so many of you guys already having grabbed the principle of giving and the heart of partnership. The local church is really a family. It's not an organization, it's not a building, it's a, fa- it's a group of people who have a common task, who, who work together to achieve that mission, who all link arms together and press forward. And our mission is to see as many people encounter the love of Jesus as quickly as possible. To see people saved and discipled and knit into community where they say, I want to, I want to put my shoulder to the, to, the, to the weight of this. I want, to, I want to lend my weight to what God's doing here. To see the kingdom advance. And the more we understand partnership in the kingdom, the more we understand that and the role that we have to play within the kingdom and within that partnership, the quicker the kingdom can be advanced to us. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. See, I want to take this morning morning and this evening and do a little mini-series that I call Seeds. Seeds. I believe God wants us to be a people who sow seeds for harvest everywhere we go, that we're constantly sowing seeds. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about the seed sowing tonight. So if you weren't planning to come tonight, now you can plan to come tonight. But before we're able to talk about sowing seeds for a harvest, firstly, we have to lay some stuff in place in our lives. We have to break the hold that money has on our lives. We have to settle in our lives who our provider is. And we have to establish a kingdom perspective for our finances. Now, I know this is a hard thing to talk about because when we start talking about finances, we're shooting our holy cow. The holy cow of our society. So stay with me. Stay open. But I think God wants to set us free this morning. I don't want to bring you under law or condemnation. This, this, I believe this morning is going to set you free to be able to walk into all that God has for you. Got a $1 coin here. Not very big. It's not the biggest coin. The problem is, if I put this right in front of my eye and I put all my focus on this coin, it blocks out these lights here. It blocks out the sun. Something so small as a $1 coin, if it becomes my focus can block out the light of something so big as the sun. Before we get into sowing seeds, we have to understand what money's for 
so that it can become a tool for discipleship and for us to build our lives around Christ. Money in itself isn't evil. It's a tool for us to build our lives around Christ. But we have to stop putting our focus on money and put our focus on Jesus. We have to get our eyes back onto Jesus this morning. When we talk about money, often we're tearing down people's idols. I believe this morning God's going to tear down some idols in our life because he wants to be the one and only Lord of your life. It can be tricky to talk about a topic like money because there's been so many abuses in the past. There's been, the, the, there's been a, 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 a swing toward a prosperity gospel or a swing toward legalism. You might, go, you might not have heard of that. Prosperity gospel was this. It was the idea that you have to twist God's arm in order to get him to bless you. You do stuff in order for God to do stuff for you. But God doesn't want us to be prosperity focused. He wants us to be Christ focused. When we look at what Jesus has done, it changes everything. changes the perspective. The Israelites, if we look at the Old Testament, they come out of Egypt. God delivers them from Egypt. It's a picture of salvation from a place of slavery. And the Bible says that the Egyptians, when, they, when he brought them out of a place of slavery, the Egyptians gave them their fine linen, their livestock, their gold and silver. God provided for them. They walked out of Egypt with God's provision. God provides for us. He is our provider in every area. He's faithful to provide. The problem isn't the provision. The problem is what we do with the provision. If we use that provision to glorify God, then it's a blessing. It's a good thing. But if we use God to glorify the provision, we miss out. So what the prosperity gospel has done is what the Israelites did when they came out of Egypt. They took the gold and the provision that they had, um, and like Aaron says to Moses, we just threw it in the fire and it became a golden calf. They built an idol out of it. They worshipped the provision rather than using the provision to worship God. We have to settle this thing if we're going to be seed sowers. We have to start with this. It's amazing how Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 10 to 11, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. If we're not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how can God trust us with true riches? True riches are people. True riches is influence in the kingdom. But God wants to test our heart with that which he views as being the least, which is our worldly wealth. If you really want God to use you, can I say this? Be faithful with your money. If you have a call of God on your life, be faithful with your money. If you feel like you're called to the nations, be faithful with your money. If you feel like you're called to, to, to advance the kingdom, be faithful with your money. This is why we have to start here before we go to sowing seeds. It's such a spiritual thing. Finances are not just a material thing. They're a tool or an opportunity for us to be faithful with the insignificant, the temporary, the stuff that, that's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Because when we're faithful with worldly wealth, now God says, I can trust you with souls. Now I can trust you with, with, uh, with influence and increase. Now I can trust you with the gospel. Now I can trust you with nations. I've seen too many people who are wanting to be used by God, but their finances aren't in order. They're wanting to be used by God, but they're worshiping their finances. 
They want to sow seed, but they haven't broken the hold that money has over their lives. And God wants us to live free from that so that we can be used by him. He wants to set us free this morning so that he can use us in a greater way. Can you turn to your neighbor this morning and say, God wants you to be free. God wants you to be free today. The way, God's way of setting us free from the hold that money has on us, establishing in our lives that he's our provider in every area, is through this thing that in the church we call tithing. Tithing is when we give the first 10% of our increase, our money, to the Lord. That's what I want to unpack this morning. Why would anyone do that? This might be your first time in church and you're thinking, what is this guy talking about? Why would I ever give 10% of my increase, my hard-earned increase, my finances to the Lord? Hopefully by the time we're done this morning, you'll go, wow, there's a power in that. The first reason we do that is this. Tithe sets the tone of our worship. I believe that finances are an opportunity for us to set the tone of worship in our lives. It's not, a pro- it's not prosperity gospel. It's not a legalistic thing that you have to do this or else you're not somehow saved or you're not somehow holy because we're saved through, through Jesus' sacrifice alone. We're made holy through him alone. We don't tithe to the local church because the church needs your money. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I want to liberate you today. You guys might be in shock, but the church doesn't need your money because you are not the provider. If you're discipling somebody, please do not tell them to tithe because the church needs your money. To tithe because the pastor needs a salary. God is our provider. We tithe because it sets us free from the love of money. We tithe because it sets the tone of worship in our life. We tithe because God's called us to something greater. There's a benefit of tithing that we can see the kingdom advance, that the church can function. But that's not the reason for it. The reason we give our first percent, 10% to the local church is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Because he sacrificed for us. And because the Bible teaches the best way for us to honor God and honor Jesus' sacrifice is to put him first. Jesus says to the Pharisees in Luke 11, verse 42, he says, yes, you tithe, because they did tithe. He said, but you should have focused on love and justice without neglecting the tithe. It's not, do we, do we focus on, on people ministry or do we focus on this? It's both. It's about what he's done for us on the cross. It sets the tone for worship in our lives. The second reason we tithe that tithers is a response to encountering Jesus. It's a response to encountering Jesus. I've often heard people, uh, people ask, isn't tithe part of the law? Mm, have you ever heard that? Yeah. Isn't tithe part of the law? Aren't we under grace now? In Genesis 40, Abraham tithed before the law. But did you know that Jacob also tithed before the law? I love this. I love this about Jacob. It's Jacob's response to his encounter with God. 
when we have an encounter with God or with the presence of God, our response should always be, Lord, how can I honor you? Lord, how can I honor you? I am so thankful for your presence. I am so thankful for this encounter that you set me free. How can I honor you? See, money is what we get in return for our time, isn't it? We go to work, we give our time, and we get something in return for that time. We've invested part of our life. We get something tangible in return. So when we give to God, we're actually giving him part of our life. So Jacob comes to God after having an encounter with Jesus. In Genesis 28, verse 22, it says, And this stone which I have set up up, uh, for a pillar shall uh, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you, or surely I will give a tenth to you. I think that's amazing. It's an amazing scripture. There wasn't a law that said to Jacob, thou shalt give a tenth of everything you have. Jacob has this amazing encounter with God. He's encountering him, and his response is, I'm going to give you a tenth of everything I have. I learned, I learned early on in my life that God's my provider, not the church. I've seen God provide again and again and again, even from when I was a little kid. I've seen God's provision in my life. Elliot and I, can I say this? I'm not standing here preaching something that I'm not doing. From our very first paycheck, and yes, it was actually a check, <laughs> Elliot and I have given 10% of, every, of our increase, of everything that comes in. I can stand before you and say that. And we've sown. We've sown seeds. We've given 10% on top of that. As offerings, and we'll get to sowing seeds tonight because it's beyond finance. It's really an exciting thing. But there's been times where, he, where we haven't got paid, but God provides. We haven't, we, we, haven't, we, we haven't got a paid check, but we've seen God provide. We've had money show up in our bank account. We've had uh, people give us things. We've been blessed in so many different and unique ways. There was a family in our church that was asking God to provide, and they were crying out. They needed some money. And they were praying, but they were faithful. They walked out of the gym at 6.30 in the morning, and there literally, literally was a stack of $500 on their car window. And they looked around, and there was nobody to be seen. Nobody in the gym knew they needed money. There was nobody from the church that was in the gym. They hadn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, asking for God to provide with some few hints of faith. You know, I really need money. Hey, Leon, you know, I'm really struggling. God, thank you, thank you. Like, it wasn't like that. They hadn't told anyone they were just praying, and God provided. Because God can provide outside of our expectations. God, show me over and over that he's our provider, not people. I believe if we don't teach people to tithe, then we don't really love people. Because we don't tithe so that pastors can get a salary. We tithe so that Jesus can be the Lord of our, of our lives. We tithe so that Jesus is honored in our lives. So that we can live gospel-centered, kingdom-focused lives that are much larger than ourselves. If we don't get this, there'll always be a drawback to focus on money. The third reason we tithe is that tithe continually reminds me of what Jesus has done for me. What's the biggest reason to to tithe? There's a lot of reasons to tithe. There's a lot of stuff we could talk about. I've shared a few of them. But what's the biggest reason? Romans 5 verse 8 says this. But God showed us or demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you understand who you were and what you were without Jesus, guys, tithing's a non-event. It's just such a non-event. It's not even a thing. It's, it's nothing compared to what he did for us. 
giving him the first 10% is like, Jesus, this is just the start. This is the foundation. Lord, I don't want to start with money. Let it overflow. I want you to have all of my life. I want you to have everything that I am. All that I am is yours. All that I have is yours, not just 10%. I don't want it to stop with my money. I want to give everything because you gave everything. Exodus 13, I think, is a, such a powerful scripture. It talks about Jesus being our Passover lamb. In Exodus, the Israelites are being oppressed. They're slaves. They're in Egypt. Um, and the, the, God sends plagues to set them free. The tenth plague was that the firstborn was killed amongst all the Egyptians. But the Israelites had to sacrifice a Passover lamb. The Bible says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. It was a pure, spotless lamb. They had to apply the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of their home so that the angel of death would pass over them. Beautiful picture of salvation and eternal life. And the minute they get out of Egypt, I love this, the first thing that God tells them to do, this is amazing, it's significant, the very first thing, is to put a principle in place that will help them remember where they've come from. One of the very first things that I think we need to teach somebody when they come to Jesus and they get saved is to put a principle in place that will help them remember where they've come from because uh, I think so many people don't tithe in the church, and we forget where we've come from. We forget what Jesus has done for us, and we get focused on other things. Tithing will help us remember for generations to come what Jesus has done for us. So in Exodus 13, verse 2, it says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whoever is the firstborn to open the womb amongst the people of Israel, both man and beast, is mine. So the Israelites, when the first lamb was born, they take that lamb, they take this little lamb, and this is a whole family thing. It wasn't just the dad off in the desert somewhere. They get the whole family together, they take that first lamb, because they are farmers, and they're excited about the birth of this lamb, and they're excited about remembering what Jesus had done for them. They take the firstborn, they would give it as an offering to God. I think that must have been a hard thing to do. It must have been a, a sacrifice for them, because this was their livelihood. They were farmers. They're taking the first lamb. It says in verse 14, And in the future, your children will ask you, What does this all mean? Or what is this? Can you say, What is this? My children are going to ask me and say to me, But dad, aren't we excited about getting? Aren't we excited about receiving? Aren't we excited about what we can have? Can't we just give some of the leftovers? Can't we just give, uh, give that leftover lamb, that little scrawny one that was like the, the, at the end and it was smaller than the other ones? I mean, this is our livelihood. That ugly sort of you know, skinny one over there. Can't we give the ones that we don't want? Why do we give to God first? In the future, your children will ask, what does this mean or what is this? And then you will tell them, highlighted this. With the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery or the house of bondage. You know why I give the first 10% to God? I give more than that, but that's the floor. That's the starting point. The reason I give the first 10% to God through the local church, because I believe that's the pattern of Scripture, not just to another ministry out there, but to the storehouse where I'm fed, is to remind myself continually of what Jesus has done for me. Every time, it's not just a one-off thing. It's every week, it's every time, every time I get paid and I have a temptation to go to worship the provision, I have to remind myself, you know what Jesus did for me? He's, I'm set free because of him. 
I live in, uh, he sacrificed for me. We can do it together. I get my kids, and I say, guys, we're going to give together. And we put some money in an envelope, and they take it to the to kids' church because I want them from their, their young age, from eight and four, to know that Jesus died for us. He sacrificed for us. He set us free. And money doesn't have a hold on our lives. We don't live in this world to get more things. We live in this world to glorify Jesus, to love people, and to see his kingdom advance. We don't tie that out of a prosperity teaching. We don't tie that out of law. We tie that out of revelation and relationship. The emphasis should be worshiping when we tithe. Worshiping Jesus. Um, it's not legalism. It's not even a principle. It's worship. When I click the transfer button, some of you guys might transfer. You might not actually bring cash. When you click the transfer button, take a minute and pray and remember what you used to be without Jesus. Don't just, I mean, maybe you have it on automatic. You know, it's automatic debit. Then put a reminder in your phone for when it's going to automatic debit. And stop for a second and say, thank you, Jesus, that you've set me free. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be part of our worship. He took you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He set you free. He's brought you into his presence. I declare that God's my provider. Lord, I declare that you are my provider. I trust in you. This paycheck is not my provider. Jesus, you're my provider. And that's why I'm doing this transfer. That's why I'm giving. I'm going to remind myself every week. Preach the gospel to yourself with your finances. Preach the gospel to your kids with your finances. Include your kids when you give. Just create the opportunity to say to your kids, the reason why we give to Jesus first is because he gave his son. Maybe your kid's never given their life to Jesus. But right there, there's an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Fourthly, tithe is giving God our best. God deserves our best. Genesis 4 is about Cain and Abel. Genesis 4 verse 2 says, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel, Abel was a keeper of sheep. Can you say keeper? keeper? That word keeper is a Hebrew word for ruler. He was a ruler of the sheep. He was a ruler over his provision. See, the way you approach your money will determine the way that, God, uh, that you give to God. When you're a ruler over your provision, you can give to God liberally. But when your provision rules over you, you'll struggle to give to God. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a worker of the ground. The word worker is the Hebrew word for slave of. From Genesis 3, we can see that the ground was cursed. If you're slaving for your provision, you're going to struggle to honor God and struggle to live a Christ-centered life. Because slaving for your provision means that you'll give to God differently. Genesis 4, verse 3 and 4. In the course of time... Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Can you say an offering? He doesn't give the first fruits. He just gives an offering of the fruits of the ground. And also Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. That word fat comes from the word shaleb, which is the choicest, the richest, the best part of his provision. It wasn't the value of the provision or the offering. Sorry, it wasn't the value of the offering. It was the heart of the offering. The reverence, the honor with which Abel gave. It wasn't that one gave a lamb and one gave fruit. It was that one gave the choice part and the other gave just some fruit. 
The king doesn't just deserve a gift. Our king deserves the best. What is the best? What is the best? Often people are like, I'm going to wait and see what bills I have to pay. Then I'll give. I'll give what's left over. But you know what the best is? The best is the first. The best is the first. Abel comes and rules over his provision by giving God the first. But Cain slaves to his provision and gives God some of the stuff. There's an amazing principle and truth in that. Finally, tithe will set you free from the love of money. In our culture, this point is so powerful and needed. We live in a culture that worships money, but we're called to worship Jesus. There will always be a fight in your life if you don't settle this thing and lay a foundation of tithing in your life because it sets you free from the love of money. But until we do this, you will always have two lords. You'll worship Jesus on a Sunday, but on a Monday, you'll be tempted to begin to worship your, your provision again. You'll be tempted to begin to worship money again. And you'll see that nice car drive by. And you'll go, if only I had that, I'd be happier. If only I had a bigger house, I'd be happier. If only I lived in a different suburb, I'd somehow be more effective. I'd have more influence in the kingdom. And it's a lie from the devil. You don't need that stuff. It's not bad to have that stuff. If you've settled that there's only one Lord. When you put God first, it shakes some of that love of money, that bondage of money off of you. 1 Kings 17, verse 13 to 14. So Elijah said to her, it's talking about the, the widow in the midst of drought. We've all experienced drought, haven't we? A lack. When we're in drought, our first inclination is to hold on to everything. But what happens is that... Uh, uh, Elijah comes to this lady in the middle of drought, and he says to her, can you make me something, or can you give me something? She says, this is, this is like quite dramatic, she says, I'm actually going to use my last bit of flour and make a meal for my son and myself. We're going to eat our last meal and then die. I mean, drama much? She's, hope, she's in a hopeless situation. Elijah says to her, do not fear. Church, we need to hear again in the culture that we live in. Do not fear about your provision. Do not fear, church. He says, go and do as you have said. Yes, look after your family. But first, make me a little cake and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. I love that emphasis. We have to emphasize what God's doing first. God's making disciples. He's using local churches as vessels and vehicles to advance the kingdom. And as God's advancing his kingdom through local churches, we need to get behind what God's doing. We need to get behind what God's doing first and know that he will help us look after our family after. For thus says the Lord, verse 14 says, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. God asks her just to give first. Just to give to him first. Yes, look after your family, but give first. Yes, look after your other responsibilities, but put him first. Come to church first. Offer to him first. 
There's a promise that comes with it. God says, I will look after you. It's amazing. Too often we claim the promise, God's going to look after me, but we haven't put him first. And then we say, God's not a provider. But it's not that God's not a provider. He's unchanging. It's that we haven't put him first. We're claiming the promise, but we're not doing what he's asked us to do. We don't do it so that God will look after us. But God's still so generous that he's always going to look after us. I love that about him. I love that he's generous. If you give to him first, he will always look after you. you know, Jericho was the first city. God says, you can have the whole promised land, just give me the first city. God's like, you can have all of that stuff, but give it to me, give it to me first. Not out of law, out of relationship. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, Paul says, on the first day of each week, each of you is to put something aside. As we close today, how do we give? 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7 to 9 says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, and in, in our love for you. Can I say, GDC, you guys excel in what you do. You excel in hosting. You excel in your worship. You excel in excellence. As you excel in everything, see that you excel in the grace of giving or this act of grace. This is the normal Christian life, that we excel in the grace of giving. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, you by his poverty might become rich. This is not just financial riches. This is way more. I believe God wants us to excel in the grace of giving. Bringing the first 10%, the tithe is just the start. We actually want to give him our whole lives. We want to sow seeds for harvest. But we can't claim to sow seeds if we haven't brought to him what's already his. He wants us to be free from the love of money so he can trust us with true riches. God never intended us for you to use people to get money. He wants us to be free from the love of money so that he can entrust us with people. Would you stand with me this morning? Tithe sets the tone of worship. Tithe is a response to encountering Jesus, to encountering his presence. Tithe continually reminds me of what Jesus has done for me. Tithe is giving God our best, our first fruits. And tithe sets us free from the love of money. I'm going to ask you today, church, whether this is your first time in church, or you've been coming for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. I'm going to ask you today to put God first in every area of your life. Make Him the Lord of every area, not just the Sunday morning area, not just what we think is spiritual, but every area of your life. If you need to adjust the way you deal with your finances, would you make those adjustments? God, God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. If you need help, ask for input. There is amazing men and women in this church 
who are walking in the fullness of this, who are walking in abundance because they've set these principles in place in their life, and they can help you to be free as well, to be free from debt, to be free so that your finances, that money doesn't rule your life and your decisions. 10%, the first fruits is just the start, but it sets the tone for so much more in our lives. It sets the tone. We've got to settle this first so that we can be people who sow seeds for harvest. I'm so excited tonight about getting into this thing of sowing seeds. But first we have to settle this thing in our heart. We'll never be seed sowers until this is set. Tithe is not sowing seeds. Tithe is bringing to God what's already his. It's setting the tone for our life. It's reminding us of all that he's done. It's breaking the hold that money has on us. Don't let money or that which is least hold you back from what God wants to do in you. Let me pray this morning. If you're comfortable, I'm going to ask. If you need to respond, would you lift your hands? Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your heart is for us to be free. Your heart is for us to be free from the things that would hold us back, Lord, to be free from the things that would take our focus from Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I pray right now in this room that you would set us free from the love of money, that you would set us free, Lord, from that cultural thing, that if I just had a little bit more, I'd be more happy. If I just had a little bit more, I'd have more impact. Would we settle this thing in our lives today, right now, so that we can go on to be a people who sow seeds, that we can go on to say, I'm not held back by this thing. I'm set free by it. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the abundance that you want to pour into and through this church. I just prophesy increase on every level. Increase on every level. Increase of anointing. Increase of finances. Increase of release, Lord. Increase of salvations, God. Lord, but let it not be, Lord, so that we have more provision, Lord, but so that we see you being glorified more. Lord, would you settle this thing in our lives this morning, right now, in Jesus' name. Thanks, man. Why don't we say thanks for sharing the word. You know, he just shared the word of God uncompromisingly and um, someone that's lived it since he was a child. It's like my children. They, they, know, they didn't know anything else except the kingdom since they were young. They've never had a problem with this and they are blessed because of it. God takes care of them. Don't let this be a stumbling block. If you're visiting us for the first time, I do want to say this, just in case I've put myself in your shoes. If I visited a church and they spoke about finances, I, I would probably, I just want you to know that we haven't taught and preached on finances for a whole year. So we don't teach on finances all the time. We are going to go into a series of finances in, in, in July. But we will teach our church and our people how to save as well. A lot of our young people have saved. Some of our young people have bought apartments and bought homes because they've saved early. And that's because they've been taught by the church, taught by the people in the church on how to put money aside, how to save, how to be disciplined, have many accounts, how to put God first. And people in our church are buying apartments when Sydney, most people say you can't buy homes anymore. And so we, we will teach you how to say, we'll teach you how to, how to trust God, how to be prosperous and how to put Him first. We, we do care about you, how to get out of debt, how to not have massive visa card debt and all those sort of things. How to live beyond, don't live beyond your means, live within your means. You'll get taught that in the church. You'll get taught a lot of things. So we do, we care about you. 
We really, really do. And Matt, I want to say thanks for sharing the Word of God. And um, we also are starting a kingdom business uh, breakfast every two months. And that's just to equip people that are running businesses. It's going to be on the 25th of July, Thursday morning, 7 a.m. Write it down in your diaries. We've got a guy called David Balestri, who's in um, Darling Czech's church, and he's a marketplace entrepreneur. And so he's going to teach our businesses on how to have run businesses really well. So if you've got an idea for a business, you're welcome to come. Okay, so if, you don't have to be running a business. If you just think, you know what, I've got something on my life to do something, come on that Thursday morning. It's the 25th of July. We want to equip you to help you in what you're called to do. Amen. If you're in this room right now and you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but today you heard, you thought, you know what, I never knew that Jesus died on the cross. I never knew that He died on the cross for my sin. I know He died on the cross, but I didn't know the reality that He paid the penalty. He was a sinless man. He never, ever disobeyed God. He walked a perfect life. So when He died on the cross, He consumed the judgment of God against humanity. That's the only way we get saved. That's the only way we get forgiven. We get forgiven when we put our faith in Christ. But let me say this, guys. Some people say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And they stay living their own way, their own lives. I believe in Jesus. It's like being in an airplane and going, yeah, I believe in that parachute. That parachute really can save you if I jumped out of the plane. I really believe in that parachute. It's a fantastic parachute. It can really save you. But unless you actually put it on, it won't save you when you jump. Just because you're believing something. You have to put on Christ. You have to say, I believe and I fully trust in His death on the cross has forgives my sins and I don't have to do anything to deserve it. I don't have to do anything to, to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. Once you put your faith in Him, He changes your heart. You actually, the, the, this part of your heart that was dead to God comes alive. That's what the Bible teaches. And you might think, really, I don't know if I can do it in my own strength. I don't know if I can follow Jesus. I, I tried and everything. But when you give your life to Him and surrender, He comes by His Spirit and resurrects your dead spirit and you come alive. So if that's you this morning, you need to accept Jesus maybe for the first time. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray a really, really, really quick prayer. And Jesus will accept you into His family. It's a beautiful thing. So if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and to forgive you of your sins so that you go to heaven for all eternity. There is a hell. We don't want to go there. Separated from God for all eternity. We want to go to heaven. Amen. Jesus made the way. So if there's anybody in this room, just say yes to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm not asking, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. But if you say yes, we're going to pray this prayer together. Just slip your hand up right now. We're going to pray. Just give you a moment. You've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you grew up in church, but you know you didn't really follow Christ. You never really put on Christ like you would put on that parachute. Thank you, sir, to back there. Thank you. Anybody else? You want to accept Jesus maybe for the first time. Maybe if it's you, just most of us in this room have done this one time of our life. We've said yes to Him and have our sins forgiven. And then you can have this relationship with God. What you see we having, you can have your own relationship with God. Thank you, David. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer. Just simply pray. If you haven't slipped your hand up, but you want to, pray this prayer from your heart right now. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me in my place. Wash me clean from all of my sins. I turn away from it. I give you my heart. I open up my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. 
be my Lord and be my Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Have you prayed that? You prayed that prayer. Jesus accepts you and forgives you. And I love this, what Jesus says, that in heaven, the angels are celebrating in the presence of God. So joy is released in heaven because you're so valuable to God. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.